Hello and welcome to the Tech Team podcast from Cancer Research UK. I'm Steve and I'm a video producer in the technology team as well as the producer of this podcast. I'm Josie and I currently work in the emerging technology team here at CR UK. We started this podcast to help tell the story of what we do here at Cancer Research UK in the hope that other charities and people who are interested in technology will find it helpful or interesting to hear about our experiences. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Snerj Halacheva and Caroline Kavanagh, who work in the service design team within technology at Cancer Research UK. Welcome both. Good to have you here. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. First of all, we usually kick off by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves for our listeners. So do you both mind doing that for us, please? Yeah, of Thanks. course. Should I, should I start? So uh, as Josie has said, um, we're both service designers in um, the service design team, which is, here we go, it's part of design, delivery and change, which is part of technology at Cancer Research UK. My background is in social sciences, Um, So I did politics and Japanese at uni, which has nothing to do with what I do now, but that's fine. And I think the the pivotal moment for me was when I got a a lucky break a few years ago to do a secondment in a product team. I I knew nothing about sort of product management. And when I started doing it, I realized that's exactly what I really, really like. Um, So I did that for a bit. And then I sort of stumbled upon service design and I thought, that's great. I really, really want to do that. I don't know how, but wouldn't it be great to be able to do something like that? And then, again, I think I feel really lucky that I got the role at Cancer Research about a year ago. So the role used to be called Proposition Manager. Then recently we've actually become sort of properly um, known as service designers. Um, And what we do is um, we look to improve and design new services at Cancer Research UK in collaboration with all the other teams um, and the charity. Cool. And Caroline? Um, So I, I guess... I'm actually technically in the production team at the moment, but I'm shortly moving into the service design team. And uh, my, I guess, career development was largely test and learn. Like I kind of started off in psychology and really loved the behavior aspect of that, but didn't uh, really want to commit to a PhD, which I guess is the most classic form of a waterfall um, way of doing things. Mm. So I worked in uh, sales and charities for a while. And that was, I'd say, a pretty soul-crushing job. <laughs> but um, the aspects of that was that I, I was really close to the users and the people who were using the services of the charities, and I was so far away from where decisions were actually being made. So uh, I decided to move into tech and join the production team in um, Sierra UK, which is an amazing place to get started if you want to start, like start off your career or else move into technology. Um, we have a lot of ex-producers. Steve, you're an ex-producer. Certainly am. And we have uh, product managers who are ex-producers and mm. UX designers, UX researchers, service designers, mm. digital specialists. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it's a really great place to develop. And, um, yeah, I'm shortly moving into Snedge's amazing team. And congratulations Thanks. on your new role. So, you are here to talk to us about um, using empathy in the workplace Shall we start by defining what we mean by empathy and why um, do you think it's an important topic to talk about? There's loads written on empathy um, already sort of in science, social sciences, medicine, neuroscience, neurobiology uh, area about empathy. So I was really anxious to talk about it because I didn't think I kind of was an expert or I could talk about it. But actually, I think... I think we can Actually, talk about I am it. An expert. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I think we can because when you when you break it down, it, what it is is I think um, ability to kind of 
spot and understand other people's sort of feelings, how they yeah, how they feel, um, and then I guess there's the other. So that would be sort of cognitive uh, cognitive empathy when you're able to actually identify and understand this person is feeling like that. Mm-hmm. I get that, and then the other type of empathy. I th- think broadly speaking is um, affective or emotional empathy which is so yes I've understood and spotted what you feel but now I'm also feeling the same thing that you're feeling so if you're feeling anxious I'm feeling a bit anxious and distressed at your sort of suffering so I think there's two broad types the cognitive and the um, emotional empathy um, and when we talk about empathy in our in our work and empathy um, how it can be helpful to be a good anything really, but like service designer, product manager. Um, we talk, Caroline and I talk mostly about cognitive empathy. So just wanted to kind of clarify that. Um, so that's what that's what we mean by empathy. Yeah, and I, I actually think um, in order to understand it, it's easy to, to look at the extremes. Mm-hmm. So if you look at someone, so I used to um, <clears throat> volunteer in a um, respite centre with children with um, autism. And I remember one of my first days, this little kid ran up to me and he just pressed his face against mine and obviously wasn't able to identify in my face that I was uncomfortable. And I just had to explain, I actually don't like this. Can you, you know, sit down? You know, this doesn't make me feel comfortable. So that's low cognitive empathy because he isn't able to read it from my facial expressions. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, someone who has high cognitive empathy, low affective empathy is the classic psychopath like someone like Ted Bundy or Snezh um, <laughs> but someone who's really able to understand where you're coming from to be able to influence and almost manipulate you or um, in, in yeah it's a classic case of a psychopath but um, isn't able to feel what you're feeling yeah it's a it feels like a really hot topic as well empathy so mm. it's in the news it's on the radio it's in books podcasts so even the other day I was watching um, and I've chatted to Caroline about this a lot. Uh, it was a documentary about Margaret Thatcher. Uh, and one of her civil servants said that she was um, sympathetic because there were people on her staff that um, she cared about. She, she cared about their well-being. And when they were not well, one of their family members wasn't well. She wanted to help. She said, what can we do? But So she was sympathetic to those people, I think, because she could relate to them because they were high achievers. They were in her immediate circle, but she wasn't empathetic as a whole. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a big difference in that. So everywhere I think it's popping up at the moment. And I think it's a really important thing to talk about because um, not just in our job, but in our job, we need to design services and tools and more broadly cancer research needs to design products and propositions for a varied group of users. We have researchers, you know, clinicians, patients, um, fundraisers. So so that so that we can design services and products that are inclusive of all of those people's needs, we need to be able to understand how they feel, what motivates them, what concerns them, so that we can design inclusive services and tools. Um, and I don't think that you can really do that without putting yourself in the shoes of that person that you're designing for. Um, and another element of what we do in the service design team is help teams be comfortable with change, which I, I think is an element of other people's jobs as well. But we really focus on making teams embrace new ways of working and we try to devolve some of the digital skills that would traditionally sit in like the technology team to other teams so that they're better able to serve themselves and do things for users. So to be able to help people embrace change, which is 
a really difficult thing for people to do. I think you need to understand what motivates someone, what concerns them about trying something new. Um, so how can I use this to make them feel included? And you need empathy in order to bring in diverse perspectives. Um, you need empathy in order to um, actually want to make other people succeed rather than make yourself succeed. Um, so that's why I think it's key for us in what we do. I think I really believe being empathetic helps you achieve better outcomes for yourself, for your team, and for the people that you design for. Mm. So that's why I wanted to talk about yeah. it. Yeah, and especially even when you when you're talking about. Um, teams that we're working with often the work that we do with them is only the very first step mm. and we need them to be able to continue on that work after we go um, so we need to be able to empower them to do that and obviously to empower people we need to be able to support them um, and understand what they need from us so okay so you mentioned the Margaret Thatcher example there around having sympathy and lacking empathy can there be confusion around the term empathy I think yes, and I don't think that there is a um, I don't think that there is a clear cut line where you can say this is where one stops and the other one begins, because it's not it's not kind of data. It's again it's I guess it's human traits, so it's quite hard to um, define them strictly. But I think that um, if you pl plot them on a scale, I think you have at the bottom in terms of how engaged you are. You have um, pity, where you feel you know, pity for a person or you can feel pity for an animal or like a sentient being. Um, so that I mean, I've written this down because I didn't want to mess it up. So it's a feeling of discomfort or distress when you see another human being or sentient being suffering that causes you sort of to feel pity for them. But um, it's less engaged than actually sympathizing or empathizing because it's little more than just you consciously acknowledging that that thing is suffering and then you can just move on. So sympathy then comes after that. I think it means sort of fellow feeling. So um, you feel care and concern for someone, often someone quite close or someone that I think you can relate to when you sympathize with someone. And it's kind of that normally comes with a wish to see them better and to see them happier. Um, so, yeah, I think there's more about you feeling that you share something with that person if you sympathize with them, which is why I think Mangra Thatcher had sympathy for all the staff that worked for her in 10 Downing Street because they were all capable people. They'd climbed up to possibly the most prestigious position in their in their relative areas, you know, whether they were bodyguards or, or um, drivers. So she could see herself in them because she was a high achiever. She worked really hard. So she thought, these are my people. Um due to circumstances outside of their control, they need some help. I sympathize with that. Their family might need help. But empathy is when you go sort of a step after sympathy. So sympathy can evolve into empathy, but it it doesn't always. So sympathy is you can you can understand someone's needs, um, how they feel, even if they're not like you. Mm. Even if, for example, they're in a position that they are because they did something, so it's not outside of their control. You still feel, you know, you understand how they're feeling. So, again, to bring it back to Margaret Thatcher, I think. And just to say that these aren't the views of Cancer Research UK, these are the views of the civil servant you saw on the BBC documentary about Thatcher. She didn't empathise with the vast masses of people that needed help from the state because she herself saw herself saw herself as very different to that. She made it on by herself. She didn't need help. And she thought everyone else should be like that. So if you're not like that, if you need help, then you probably, because you're not working hard enough, so I can't empathise with your plight. So that, I think that is the difference between the two. And then compassion is 
even higher than empathy. I think it's compassion when you're actually then moved to do something to alleviate the plight of, of that person. So you move to donate all of your money or you move to go away and volunteer. Um, that's like the highest possible level. And I guess empathy is like understanding or, or kind of having a sense of um, somebody else's emotional state, like regardless of yeah. like who they are. Yeah, yes. And it is regardless of who they are. But it doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's easy to be empathetic because I think we're not naturally likely to be more empathetic with people that we can relate to. But being empathetic with people that you disagree with, that you feel are very different to you, is quite hard. But there are definitely things that we can do to help us empathise with people that are quite different. And I think it's so important, not just for what we do, but in general and sort of in society right now, it's so important to be able to empathise with people that might disagree with you on what you consider to be a really important topic. Yeah. And, I mean, I know that if you get a, um, sounds like a joke, if you get a get a bunch of UXs together in a room, um, there's no punchline. Um, if you ask them, and I have been in a situation, if you ask them, you know, what's the, the kind of number one skill that you need, often empathy is, is the kind of, the, the most kind of cited answer. Um, I guess in your role as service um, de- designers, how does empathy help with that specifically? Um, so I guess there's three main areas I can see as being really key for service design because we're designing end-to-end services, um, changing behaviour, as Snej mentioned, and empowering people. So we talk about designing end-to-end services, obviously that's from the point that someone decides to do something to the point that they're finished. What might an example of an end-to-end service at Cancer Research UK be? So I guess um, a really good one that um, Snedge was working on recently was um, someone deciding to leave a legacy to CR UK. So and what's a legacy? A legacy is someone who wants to leave a gift in their will. Um, so it's really difficult to know where to start there because that's a really personal decision. You don't know how someone's going to come to that and um, what steps they're going to take along the, the, the way to kind of research that. So um, there's that side of things of being able to understand where, where we're talking to the user in terms of uh, face-to-face um, digital content. But then end-to-end means also looking at the internal users as well. So all of the people we have here who are delivering the, the outcomes for them and understanding their perspectives and how we can help them to, to deliver. Um, and a lot of the people that we work with are coming from very different disciplines. So we can't kind of swan in with... Um, collaboration tools talking about design sprints and not understand that actually we're asking people to change the way they work and that's a very difficult thing to do and we're asking people to put an awful lot of trust and time and um, effort into us Um, so we need to be able to communicate the value of what embracing our ways of working would be able to do for them to get them to their goals and obviously we can't do that if we don't understand what's important to them And I think that really is a big part of empowerment as well, which I already talked about. But um, I think a lot of the role that we do is just helping people to get the confidence to start working in this way themselves and understanding that actually they're the best place to make these decisions for their users because they're the people who are closest to it. So we just need to be able to, to understand how we can best support them to do that and what they need from us. You need to be empathetic, helps you in understanding what drives people and how you can best position kind of your offering or the changes that you need to make to those people so they actually see it as something that's 
um, helping them. So, uh, can I, what, what did um, what is it that we meant to do? Empowerment. Mm. Yes, empowerment is something that you do with people. It's not something you should do to people. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. to be empathetic means you can actually bring people in. And I think it was really um, valuable what you said about kind of understanding what was important to people, and and kind of knowing that. Um, yeah. So why? Very often, I think we go in and say, oh. I always, well, we might not say, but we might think, our way of doing things is better. Why can't our colleagues just kind of give us a chance to like, prove that? Why do, they, why do they always sort of push back? And often it's because, I guess, we don't understand necessarily where they, how they feel right now in their current role, in their current team. So it could be that there's so many things happening in that team right now that are making them feel maybe anxious about trying something new. Maybe they have... Um, an objective that they need to meet that's really important to them in that team and what we're doing might seem to be not helping but distracting from that so you need to understand that if you were to go in and then offer solutions to that would be helpful you need to understand what you need to help with rather than just power through with what you think you need to do and never take into account how other people feel and then I think it also comes down to like deep listening so yes kind of talking communicating but you're really listening to um, what people are saying but also looking reading their like emotional Mm. state and and you know seeing if they're they're saying something but they're uncomfortable saying it or if you're sensing tension and that's where where there's kind of like it's it is a softer skill because it's it's kind of sometimes un um, quantifiable yeah absolutely mm. it's that active listening and mm. if anyone's interested I think it's a really good thing to look up um, and mm. to practice active listening it's it's tiring but it's very it's, hard it's very difficult it's very difficult but um, yeah I think that's how you get to that point where you can really really listen how do you go about um, taking steps to understand the people you're working with and understanding what they're going through and how you how can you put them yourselves in their shoes? Is there specific tools and techniques mm. you use or p- specific workshops, et cetera, that allow that to happen? Or is it done more subtly? So I think for me anyway, through my um, various roles, I think there's I can remember distinct points where I've learned to be empathetic. And um, I, in that job I was talking about earlier in charity sales, I remember um, one day this woman was really awful to me. Um, and that and like it quite upset me, which is saying something because that job was not full of <laughs> nice <laughs> interactions. But it really upset me. And um, the next day, just by chance, she walked past me again and she said, I'm really sorry about that yesterday, but my husband had just been diagnosed with cancer. And you just called me at the wrong moment. Mm-hmm. And these are things that I, I think you develop practices and coping mechanisms to try and incorporate empathy in the way you work so that when you think someone is acting in an irrational way you can remove yourself from the situation and think what other things could be going on here that could be um, causing them to have this reaction and I think that's a really good place to start. Yeah there's loads of um, workshop uh, formats that you can use uh, that, that are really really helpful and they can help you get to know a new team of people they can also help you um, have fun and reacquaint yourself with your existing team. Um, so there's the strong suits game or any sort of game that looks at people talking about their strengths, how they like to work, and then building on each other's styles. But I think that will only take you that far. Yeah. What it really requires, I think, is an investment in time mm-hmm. to spend time with these people that you're working with, um, who are often, you know, the loveliest, most capable people. So it's it's a pleasure to do that anyway. But to make the time and spend time 
sitting with them, talking to them, understanding what, how do they actually do their work? What is it that, in their work that I really like? So just make the time and find out how you can help them um, be successful again um, and bring in all the different perspectives. And when you always allow people and ask people to please kind of challenge you when you're not doing something that they don't think is very helpful so that you can correct yourself as well. And I would also say, you know, like we don't always get to, I mean, we're very lucky here that the majority of people are, are lovely and, and kind and kind of willing to work with us. But actually, in reality, sometimes we are working with people that are quite challenging. Yeah. Um, and that probably that's when you need empathy even more yeah. and to stop your own um, kind of, you know, emo emotional states kind of get in the way and actually to then really think, okay, well, what is going on for this person? Why is that person perhaps being a bit more difficult or challenging? Absolutely. And actually the outcome, the reward of that outcome might even potentially be more mm. than working with somebody. Yeah, it's that you so kind rewarding. Of, yeah. <laughs> when you get that person that you thought was very different to you and you thought, I must be really irritating to that person and then they start calling you mate and you're like... Well, it's really interesting. You spoke about strong suits as well, yeah. and I've used that a couple of times when we've kind of sort of been kicking off teams. Strong suits is a card game. Um, look it up. We'll put we'll put it in the show notes, perhaps. Um, but actually, some when when there's been a sort of table of people around the room, and some of the people that I might have like felt a little bit of challenge for, or maybe felt a little bit um, intimidated by. Interestingly, those people often come out really similar to me, mm. but actually in the first place I'm I'm a little bit intimidated and I, and then actually I'm like when I sort of see that they're actually quite similar to me behaviorally and kind of their attitudes and things I'm like, "Oh, and that's allowed me to like empathize with them and actually work like better and actually get on really well with them." It's really interesting. And Again, you asked if there's any sort of things that you can do. Um, I was reading an article, um, we can share the, the link to it. Sure, yeah. But it was referencing a professor of psychology called, um, I, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Miriam Mongrain. And she um, suggested some micro steps that we can implement to help us empathize with people who are very different to us. And a lot of it, I don't think it's um, unfair to say, a lot of it's really common sense things, but they're really difficult things. So one of them is, trying to think about another person in their full cultural context. So don't just take someone as, you know, Steve, producer at Cancer Research UK. Nothing more to Steve than that. But think about that person in terms of, you know, what is their, um, what is their history here? What kind of work have they done? What's their cultural and family background like? Um, what are the things that are underpinning their style and their character or their convictions? And then when you start to see people um, in a fuller context, you start to realise that there's a lot more to them than just the role that they do. And you start to realise what might have influenced their... Um, you know, their perspective on things. So if someone says to you, oh, I'm, I have five brothers and I'm a girl, so I've always had to be really assertive with what I want and be really clear. And you realise, well, okay, well, the, yeah, that's, yeah, of course, that's really interesting. I didn't realise that. That's why you do things in this way and, uh, and I will do something in a different way. Um, and always remembering that at the end of the day, we have more in common with people than what what divides us from people. So I'm an only child, so maybe that explains some of my behaviour. <laughs> I am also an only child. <laughs> yes. I, I don't think... Oh. Are you oh. just... No, oh. no. Oh, get out. This is only child. <laughs> only child only. The empathetic only children. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> I see that in you guys now. I, think yeah. I feel more but of a connection already. It's also very interesting because we all play 
in our lives, we all play different roles. Mm. Like we come into the office, we have a role. Mm. We are at home and we have a role. And we actually identify a lot with these different roles at different yeah. times. But sometimes, I guess in, in a particular context, maybe, you know, by default, we, we just kind of take another person's kind of role and we really identify with that, you mm. know. But actually, it's kind of understanding that they kind of are that thing, but mm. they're also not. Yeah, so many other things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And ultimately, we are all working to the same shared goal mm. at Cancer Research yeah. UK, which is to help more people survive cancer. So when you remember that, it's much easier to, to empathize. You know, that, that, well, that person might be, um, might not be willing to try something that I want to try, but they also want to end up, in the, you know, also want to help Cancer Research UK achieve its vision. Um, and so do I. So if we all have that shared goal, then we, I'm sure we can make it. I'm sure we can find a way to work together. It helps to remember that. So in your experience, do you find that empathy is sometimes lacking in the workplace? And if so, why do you think that is and what effect can that have? We were talking about this over the weekend and Snesh said, I think empathy is lacking in the world. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And it is. Yeah. And I, I think one of the reasons for that, and I think the hardest thing about empathy, especially for us as people who try to um, develop it and others, is to getting people to understand the value of being empathetic. Um, I did a, a course in um, Dublin when I was living there on coaching. And it was um, Professor Dr. Annette Clancy. And um, she's absolutely amazing. I think I learned more in that week than I've learned in any other um, class and anything else. But she got us to do this exercise before the first day and to pick a famous person as our boss mm -hmm. and the traits that they would have that we would like. And um, when we got together, she uh, put them all up on the wall and there was two women um, out of a class of 36 or 7. And one of the women was Angela Merkel, who two people had picked, and the other one was J.K. Rowling, who I had picked. And... Um, Lots of people, about seven or eight people, had picked Steve Jobs, a uh, very well-known megalomaniac who was notoriously difficult to work for. Um, and I, th I found that really interesting. I think that we don't appreciate and understand the value of having empathetic leaders mm. enough and the um, value that that can bring in terms of supporting you and communicating with your team and understanding what, what everyone needs. Yeah, I think it's um, on its own, empathy definitely has value, but when coupled with other things, it can be really, really powerful. Yeah. It's like it accelerates the value of empathy. So when you couple empathy with being able to solve problems creatively, um, to, be, to be a good communicator, to be able to tell a story, that's when it becomes really, really powerful. And I feel like it underpins those other really important uh, abilities people people need to be um, successful at collaborating and at you know, new, innovating mm. and designing things for other people. Yeah. So, what do you think um, organisations can do to encourage more empathy in the workplace? Or, I mean, how can we encourage more empathy in the world? Uh, so, oh God, in the world, I don't know. <laughs> in in the workplace, um, I was at um, a conference last week, and Jared Spill was talking, and he is my hero at the moment. I think he's amazing. And uh, he was. He was. Who is that? Sorry, can you? He is a kind of is? leader in UX world. I guess user experience. He's like a big. Um, he's well known. He's a very entertaining person to to listen to, and I think he's he's really really good. 
And um, he was talking about in his teams, he wanted to encourage continuous learning. So in order to do that, he had added a question to the end of their stand-ups to say, what did you what did you learn last week? And what are you going to take from that to um, bring into your next sprint? And I think that's key when you're talking about something like continuous learning or empathy. You have to make it um, a habit. You have to bring it into the standard practice. So if... We want to encourage empathy, then we need to make it part of our PDRs, look at the environment that people have in their teams, have days where we just look at how we work together and not the work that we're doing. And I'm sure lots of other ways, any way that you can think of incorporating empathy into your everyday, but you have to make, you have to prioritise it. I guess I guess with that, so you mentioned the PDRs, which is personal development reviews. Um, I guess it needs to filter down to line managers and things so yeah. they need to be aware of this um, and be kind of living and breathing it themselves and then encouraging it from their staff as well yeah um, I think also sharing stories of where empathy has sort of helped mm. um, and just talking about that and, and making it visible making it out there so that people can listen to something and think I hadn't thought about empathy necessarily as having you know a helpful impact but um this story seems relevant to what i'm doing in my team so maybe it's something there so talking about where it has helped with with different projects um might help is it possible to be too empathetic yes <laughs> end question yeah. <laughs> Please expand uh, <laughs> i think um that's why you don't ask those questions in interviews, kids. <laughs> I know I wanted to do that with the first one. It's just like no. Next question. My first go presenting, you give me one word answers, busted immediately. This is my subjective opinion, but I'm bringing it back to being um, to cognitive empathy versus affective or emotional or compassionate empathy. One is about um, perspective taking. It is about understanding where other people are coming from, what drives them, what worries them. So I, I, I don't know if you can be too empathetic in terms of cognitive empathy, but in terms of emotional empathy, when you are mirroring how someone else might feel, I think then, yes, it, it, there is some a risk in being too emotionally empathetic because I think, and I've seen it lead to, uh, you know, fatigue or burnout or empathy distress, as I heard someone refer to it, where people were just too... It's just too much. When you're empathising uh, emotionally with people and you're taking on all of the things that are bothering them, distressing them, then you're taking it. You're taking on too much. Um, so I think, yeah, you, ca- you can be too empathetic in, in, in that sense. And then it's important that we come up with some tools to kind of self-regulate emotionally. Um, so I'm trying to do that myself because I think I'm you know, on the sensitive side. So sometimes it's about developing some, some tools that help you figure out how, when not to internalise something and what, when to just draw the line and say, oh, it's all right, I just, I'm not going to let that kind of affect me too much because I'm being sort of emotionally empathetic too, too much. So um, I think people, if people recognise that that's something that emotion, too much emotional empathy might bring them down or hinder them, then maybe try and think of different techniques to um, regulate that with the help of others um, so that they can just be 
happy and a bit lighter. Um, that's what I think. So just to kind of wrap up, you've you've kind of talked quite um, a bit about some of the resources and the materials and mm. things. Could you just kind of summarise um, some of those? So if any of the listeners want to find out a bit more or kind of want to kind of start thinking about this more consciously in their workplace, what, what are some of the things that you recommend? I think if people are at that stage where they want to start thinking about it more consciously in their work, then they're over the toughest bit. They're in that space where they know now they want to improve. And actually after that, I think is the easy bit. So um, when I think about the strategies that help me to be empathetic, like that, um, the woman in my, my previous job, and um, that's something that's very personal to me, so it may not work for someone else. But I guess it's about reflecting on... Um, interactions that maybe haven't gone so well and trying to set up your own um, practices and strategies that help you to be empathetic. I, 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 that's not a very clear answer, but I don't think it's a very easy... It's it's not a um, an easy thing yeah. to just do. Yeah. You can you can Google yeah. empathy in the workplace and find loads of good stuff. We've referenced a few articles that we've just found useful, but there's so much out there, so it's not an exclusive list. But there's... Um, there's a really quick read on the sh- six surefire ways to develop empathy for someone you don't like because doing it will make you happier, mm-hmm. which is um, uh, a link that we can share. Um, there's also one called Four Ways to Encourage Empathetic Collaboration, which I think might uh, maybe appeal to designers more because um, it was an idea uh, article. And then the link to the Oxford Empathy Program, I just find that it's a really interesting thing to look at. And then the Compassion Cultivation Training and um, James Dotty, I think, is the name of one of the, sci- the the scholars behind the Compassion Cultivation Training. He seems like a really interesting man, too. Mm. He's got a TED Talk. And then Jared's pool as well. Jared's and, and all of his um, talks as well would be really good places to start. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Snez and Caroline. Um, guys, what are your Twitter handles if anybody wants to follow you? Uh, mine is Cal underscore Kavanagh. I believe mine is Vassi Ava. I don't know why. Okay, and we will, yeah, we'll add them on the show notes. Um, so, as I said, links to everything um, the guys have mentioned will be included. Um, if you'd like to hear more from the technology team at CRUK, you can find us on our LinkedIn showcase page. Uh, you can also read the technology blog at medium.com forward slash cancer research UK tech team blog. There's loads of hyphens in that, so we'll also share that link. <laughs> And if you'd like to see what roles are going within the technology team at Cancer Research UK, you can go to www.cruk.org forward slash techjobs. That's forward slash techjobs. And if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast to give us feedback or come on as a guest, you can now send us an email to techteampodcast at cancer.org.uk as we'd love to hear from you. And also thank you to everyone who gave us positive feedback on the last episode with Ashley Hickman, who came on to talk about why there's no such thing as digital marketing. That episode is still available to download now if you'd like to listen. And if you like the podcast, please share it on your networks, leave us a review and subscribe. And now you can also find us on Spotify, which is very exciting. Hey, thank great. you for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you.